the legend of Vox Machina. This is Geek Confidential. Welcome to the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. Joining me today is a longtime friend and much more of a geek than I, Casey Eckholm. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. It has been a while, but uh, glad to be here. Excited to talk about this part of the geekdom that I do know. This, this part of the geekdom that um, I know very little about and that when it comes to our our, our the intersection of our geek friendships, this is one area in which we don't very often cross paths. I think Mm-mm. the closest that I have come to any type of role-playing tabletop game was years ago when you and Dwayne invited me over for Munchkins. Um, <laughs> that experience, I had a ton of fun, didn't understand most of it, and was never invited to play it again. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things where like, this is something that I know that you have a passion for. I know that you have a tabletop role-playing game that you guys do on like a monthly basis, and I know that you have been following following Critical Role's uh, Vox Machina on the their Twitch stream as they played it out over the past years. And so how this episode sort of came to be was I was scrolling through Amazon Prime and there was this animated series, The Legend of Vox Machina, and I was like, okay, I'll give this a try. And then on like the second episode, I noticed the critical role thing above it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. wait a second. Is this what Casey has been watching on Twitch for years now? And so I was I texted you and I was like, is this the same thing? And you were like, yes. And then I got a mini um, Vox Machina for dummies. um, (laughs) text conversation. And yeah. so um, I figured I would have you on and we could talk a little bit about it because I know that this is a big passion for you. So for people like myself who are ignorant of the evolution of this, give a brief history about how Critical Role, the stream evolved into Critical Role, the Legends of Vox Machina on Amazon Prime Video. Absolutely. And I'm going to put a a little preference here. If somebody is a hardcore critter listening to this episode, um, please do not be upset with Luke if I say something incorrectly. Um, I know that there are some people who um, value Critical Role and all of their campaigns and know a lot more about it than even I do. Um, So if you if I say something incorrectly, please don't warrant that that I don't know what I'm talking about. Just it's a lot um, for most people, <laughs> but Critical Role started um, streaming in March of 2015, and it started actually under the Geek and Sundry flag, which was started by Felicia Day. And so Critical Role was originally a Pathfinder tabletop game um, that the group, who are all Hollywood voice actors, did as something that they decided to do as friends. They never expected it to be something where they would turn it into a stream or ever be on Amazon as 
an actual animated series. But they went through um, Twitch, starting with Geek and Sundry. And the critical role part of Geek and Sundry was the most popular. They had, after just a few weeks, thousands of people turning in to watch this campaign kind of roll out. And then Matt Mercer, who's the dungeon master or the DM, he kind of changed it to make it more um, falling in line with Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Um, And so... That's kind of where they are right now. A lot of it is what we call homebrewed, where they've made up a lot of stuff. Matt Mercer has been working with Wizards of the Coast, who makes Dungeons and Dragons, and has multiple books with them, um, kind of going through a lot of Dungeons and Dragons stuff, creating this crazy world that he's created. So after a while, with being on Geek and Sundry, in 2019, Critical Role actually moved away from Geek and Sundry and started their own Twitch account. And kind of at that point, that's when they kind of started turning into like an actual business model. Um, They started a charity, multiple charities, um, and they were kind of in the middle of their second campaign at that time. So Legends of Vox Machina is based off of their first campaign. Um, Their campaign lasted for about 120 episodes, And then they moved on to a new campaign, new characters, new story, all within the same world. And so that's kind of where they are. But while they were doing this and they're on their own Twitch and they're making their own money and they're kind of building that business model for themselves, they decided, well, what if we do a Kickstarter and do an animated, one animated 20-minute item of Legends of Vox Machina? And so their goal was to create Um, to generate $750,000 on Kickstarter um, to do this animated show. Well, little did they know that their Kickstarter would end up beating almost every Kickstarter. Ever? Yeah. Well, well, all of all Up to that time? Yep. And uh, fastest to be, um, I can't think of the words right now. Yes, thank you. The fastest funded uh, Kickstarter, uh, highest grossing Kickstarter for TVs and shows. Um, And their plan was just this one episode. It obviously turned into um, this entire 10 episode series, which after it was purchased by Amazon turned into 12 episodes. And Amazon, Amazon has already selected them for a second series our second season of the series. And so it's kind of one of those crazy things because they never really expected that to be the course of action that would happen here. But with their popularity on Twitch, though they do not have as many followers um, or subscribers that they, that other very big content creators do, um, they actually in a leaked Twitch details where it was showing how much certain creators made over the course of a two and a half, three year period, critical role was the top. Meaning, I would assume that's because of engagement as opposed to subscribers. Um, yeah, I mean, it could be. These were based on numbers regarding subscribers and donations. Um, a lot of times critical role, even though um, you look at it and you go, oh my gosh, because their um, number that was almost $10 million over those time frames. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was in regards to donations that they donated to um, charities that they 
helm or charities that they own. Um, also, Critical Role, like I said, is now a big business. Um, so they've got lots of people that they actually employ under them um, in regards to making Critical Role what it is. Just recently, they opened up a whole new set that was all created and everything to make the experience of watching their show better, better microphones, better cameras, set effects, things like that, that makes the experience that you get of watching something on Twitch even more. Before we dive into the episodes, I'm curious about which of the characters is your favorite. It's a it's a big oh, cast. There is, is seven characters, at least initially. We've got mm-hmm. Percival, Pike, Grog, Scanlan. I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. Kaleth? Keyleth. Keyleth, uh, Vax, and Vex. Mm-hmm. So which of those would be your favorite of the primary original cast on the animated series? I mean, gosh, it's really hard because I love all of Laura Bailey's characters. Um, they're all phenomenal. Phenomenal. So I really, really love Vax and um, everything she does. So um, yeah, probably her. In the um, animated series right now, kind of following this arc, I'm really, really liking Percy. Um, you know, for a long time, uh, in in the actual campaign, Percy's a little quieter. Uh Um, but this is definitely the arc that is his arc. And so kind of watching it in this animated series, um, it's been really good because he's had a lot of really great lines. So, and I think that I should probably preface the conversation about the episodes just because I don't want to, um, get dragged on Twitter. Um, my thoughts about the animated series are based entirely only on what I've seen in the animated series and my impressions thus far, because mm-hmm. I have not watched a single episode of Critical Role's stream ever. Mm-hmm. And so I don't like my impressions are totally just based on the, the episodes. Percival is um, one of my favorites. I liked Vax. Uh, my least favorite thus far, and which is for me ironic because he is the character that is sort of like the humor, supposedly, <laughs> is Scanlan. <laughs> I find Scanlan to be immensely annoying. And, 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 and once again, I'm talking only about the characters, nothing about the voice actors, because oh, I no, have no. no connection to them. But as a character, Scanlan is extremely annoying to the point where I'm like, one of these days, I just hope he ends up dead. Which, <laughs> speaking of which, after we've had the official conversation, we'll do an after the um, show spoiler discussion because in doing some prep for the podcast I discovered that one of these characters ends up dead and I have questions <laughs> so um, we can discuss that later but when I was looking at the cast knowing the type of characters that you play in World of Warcraft the type of character that you have for your uh, tabletop uh, game I was trying to figure out whether or not you'd go for Pike because she was the closest to a paladin Mm -hmm. or if you would be attracted to possibly Vex, but I wasn't sure which way that would go. And so I, I, I find it interesting that you're attracted to Vex. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, if I was playing a character, I probably, if these were characters for me to play in an MMO, I would probably go towards Pike, you know, because, yeah, she wears plate. She has a sword. 
um, or mace technically, um, and she, she uses can heal. the light. Yeah, but she's still a, a cleric, uh, you know. So um, I normally don't play clerics specifically. Um, I feel like for this particular arc, she's not as strong, um, and a lot of that is, you know, they've kind of rewritten the story a little bit but it's not far off from what actually was happening in real life um because pike who is played by ashley johnson um she was in a tv series at the time called blind spot and a lot of times her character pike was not actually playing because she was in new york and they were all in la and so she they had to have a reason for her to be off screen, mm-hmm. which explains why she's on her solo journey in the first six episodes. Yep. Got yep. It. Yep. Okay. So spoilers. Um, <laughs> are there any other characters? You, you mentioned that Percy is different. Are there any other characters in the animated series that are noticeably different for you the way Percy is from the the Critical Role Twitch cast versus the animated series? Well, I won't say that Percy, his character is different. I'm just meaning that this, the Briarwood, the Briarwood, oh, wow. The Briarwood, why can't I say this word? Hold Briarwood? On. Yes, for the first time Briarwood. In, for, for the first time <laughs> in our friendship history, I can pronounce something that Casey can't because <laughs> I'm the one who messes up everything when I pronounce it. You're fine. For this particular arc, I'm just going to skip the word. Um, it, it In the actual campaign on Twitch, it, it takes a really long time. Um, but obviously condensing it down into 12 episodes, mm-hmm. you know, kind of gets rid of a lot of the wasted time that sometimes happens in an actual campaign. A lot of chit-chatting about what we're going to do and how we're going to do stuff. Um, so... Um, Talison, who plays Talison Jaffe, who plays Percy, um, he, just in the campaign, he didn't always get all the time to talk um, because there's, you know, lots of other things and a lot of other strong characters where in this particular show, it's all a lot of that is cut out. So you really just get to focus on each character. His character itself isn't any different. Percy's still kind of the same, but mm-hmm. you really get to see him shine in the show compared to where he was kind of a little bit quieter in the campaign, just because there's so many other things going on around. Now, in terms of campaigns, I think you touched on this, but just to make sure that I'm understanding it clearly, the campaign that we're seeing on this animated series is that's not the original campaign from the beginning of it it is oh it is okay Mm -hmm. so the briarwoods the briarwoods were introduced fairly early on in okay got it Mm -hmm. i wasn't sure if it was a situation where because they've been going so long and they they break them up into campaigns they might have started with a later campaign because it would have been an easier entry point for people like myself who are not familiar with this the stream yeah and actually um Legend, Vox Machina um, campaign one, where they started, um, it is still their most popular. Um, campaign one, episode one through 15 have combined over 20 million views. Okay. Um, it's, it's very, very popular. And people who have even watched campaign two, which is the Mighty Nine, um, they still say how Legends of Vox Machina or Vox Machina itself is 
is still their favorite. Um, there's just something about the newness and them not really knowing what they were doing and kind of, it was very raw, like the whole process. So so to convert this to what I understand, it's like me listening to people who played original World of Warcraft before Mm -hmm. any of the expansions happened and like, I'm Mm -hmm. a day one. Okay, got it. Yep, yep. Where where you're like, hey, I I was I was an OG. Right. And, and so that's kind of what always captures your heart. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So this campaign, at least in the first three episodes, there was a focus on a dragon. Um, and then it shifted to the Briarwoods, which I'm pretty sure that my original text to you about the Briarwoods when they were introduced was uh, Silas Briarwood is hot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Briarwoods thus far. Um, they like I like Percy and Vax, but the Briarwoods are definitely <laughs> favorites, definitely favorites of oh. me, uh, of of for my viewing taste. I'm like. I've got vampires, I've got fangs, I've got hot guys in animation. It's working on all levels. And I've got a diva in uh, Lady Briarwood in which like, she's using magic and doing all kinds of stuff. I'm like, this is hitting all the right buttons for me as a viewer. Uh, but when, when we were texting, you were like, this was before the Briarwoods were introduced, you were like... I'm not exactly sure how the Briarwoods are going to work. So what was your concern about their introduction in the animated series? So the the biggest thing is that um, for this, I wasn't exactly sure how they were going to be able to um, really make them feel as scary as mm. they are. Um and also to make sure that their magic and kind of the way that their characters are didn't seem hokey, right? Mustache twirly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, Silas Briarwood, uh, Lord Briarwood, um, who's voiced by... Matt Mercer, one of the the few main characters that Matt is actually voicing, because Matt Mercer being the DM, he voiced every NPC. So NPC is a non-playable character. Every character you see that isn't one of the Vox Machina, Matt originally voiced them. And so that was another thing of making sure that the way Matt carried these characters when he introduced them to you that the new voice actors would do the same or that the characters would feel the same. Um, But Silas is definitely this force to be reckoned with, but also is just super suave. And so just a very like particular type of, of character. Um, And also sometimes like the way that Matt has explained them, like when he's explaining what they look like and stuff, I didn't expect Silas to be as big. Like in Legends of Vox Machina, he's this very, very like broad shoulder, big guy, um, you know, sexy beard, with just a little bit of gray. Um, and yeah, it just not exactly what I pictured in my head. Um, but they did a really good job in regards to bringing the Briarwoods to, to life. Um, and and really making them seem just as slimy as they actually are. Well, I think they're fantastic, except <laughs> for at the same time, I'm like really 
I'm torn because you learn Percy's story and it turns out that they have basically taken over. They usurped his family Mm -hmm. um, and now he's having to return to his territory, kingdom, whatever you want to call it for the purpose of this discussion. And he's seeing what they have done to the populace of his people. Mm-hmm. And so on one hand, I'm like, these two are fantastic. I love Silas. He reminds me a little bit of Ra's al Ghul from like Batman, the animated series. He's mm-hmm. got the whole white, in, as you mentioned, in the beard, all that stuff going on. But then at the, on the other hand, I'm like, Percy... I'm there for Percy's vengeance, though I don't understand what's supposed to be happening when he puts on the mask. Ah, yes, vengeance itself. So um, after um, Percival has left Whitestone, been run out of his his home, where you know, spoilers, he's he his family runs Whitestone. Um, he is broken. And in that, he accepts the help of a deity, we'll say, um, who helps promise him that his vengeance will be upheld, that he will get that ability to do what needs to be done for his family, to right the wrongs. And so... On his gun, Pepperbox, um, which guns are not a common thing in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I'll just say that. That is something that came over from Pathfinder. That's how Taliesin's character, Percy, was created there. So they didn't want to change it. So guns in Dungeons and Dragons is not common. But Pepperbox, as you could see in a couple of the shots, it has names written across the barrel. So those are people that Percy has determined needs to be killed. And his deity (laughs) is going to help him do that. And so when that smoke kind of comes up, that's that part of him taking over. And so that's what the mask is supposed to kind of signify, that it's no longer Percy acting in those moments. Um, And that's why after he kills Stonefell, his name leaves the end of the barrel. So it's almost like Arya's list, except for it's continually evolving. Kinda. And okay. also the the deity kind of gives him powers. Um, it's kind of like a small take on how kind of warlocks in Dungeons and Dragons are created. Like you don't have your own innate power. Mm-hmm. It's given to you by so- something or someone else. And so that's kind of a little bit of where some of Percival's um, abilities come from. As he'll normally always use his guns, there's some kind of abilities he can do that are um, innate from from that that service that he gets from this other being we have six more episodes that are going to air of the first six how would you rate them in terms of your enjoyment what would be the score that you would give them as a conversion from the twitch stream you know 
uh, this is kind of one of those weird things. So I am not the kind of person that goes into anything with high expectations. Um, and the reason for that is because I'm uh, one of the few people that can go into almost any movie and, and enjoy it, even if it isn't what I expected it to be or what I thought it would be, just kind of let it happen sort of thing. Um, so my husband and I are currently in the middle of watching Vox Machina right now. Um, we started with The Mighty Nine, Campaign 2. Um, and so we've actually gone back and started Vox Machina Campaign 1 on Twitch. So we're only 70 episodes into this. So, But we're past this particular arc. So it's very interesting to kind of see the stuff that we just were watching kind of be replayed um, for the the particular episodes that we have right now. I mean, I think they're all very strong. Um, I liked how <laughs> um, they really kind of followed the Dungeons and Dragons trope, which is you find them in a tavern. Um, they get into a big fight because the Legends of Vox Machina are troublemakers from the get-go. Um, and so I really, really love that they kind of started there. And then you kind of see how much of like kind of misfits they are as you go through episode one. And then the part with the dragons. So battling a dragon in a... Um, Dungeons and Dragons campaign is like a big deal. And so it's very interesting to see that, you know, you kind of get that part right up front. Um, and it's just crazy to think that the dragon isn't their biggest concern, um, which is kind of crazy when you're kind of getting into this Briarwood arc. Um, but I love all of them. I'm very excited. Um, I did rewatch them yesterday to make sure that I had everything straight in my head. And it was very hard for me not to watch seven, eight and nine. Um, cause we're waiting to watch them all together, but, um, I'm very excited for kind of where they go. And I think that these first six episodes does a really good job on kind of warming you up to the characters quick enough to care about where they're going to go in these next six episodes. Um, without feeling like you need to have any additional backstory. So what I thought was interesting about it, because I would have, not having played D&D, not having done uh, tabletop, my perception of the dragons in the first three episodes was basically that was the warm-up. The closest I get to any of this would be World of Warcraft in an MMO format where dragons are everywhere. And so the the idea that this dragon has been like is the introduction didn't like it didn't even register with me that that would be a big deal just because dragons are everywhere in World of Warcraft. To me, it made sense that they were introducing us with what I would call a mini boss <laughs> as, the, <laughs> as a mini boss with the dragon to then get to the Briarwoods who are like the real evil type thing. Mm -hmm. And so to me, from a completely noob standpoint the way they played it out made sense but to now find out that dragons are a big deal that might feel a little bit awkward for someone like yourself who's accustomed to playing in that format the only thing that i'll say is that 
that part um, is very is very in line with where the campaign actually went. Um, I'm just saying that from just just looking at the series, the animated series, it's just crazy that you jump right into a dragon. And, Mm. um, you know, and I guess maybe that's one criticism is that maybe they didn't really explain how big of a deal it was that they killed General Krieg um, in that like moment because it was and it is a very big deal. Um, I will tell you spoilers here for anybody who has not watched campaign one um, general on Krieg, the stream. Yeah. On the stream. Um, and probably maybe even into the rest of it. I'm not exactly sure where they're going to go with season two, but general Krieg being killed. His dragon is a big deal going forward. And it def- definitely doesn't feel that way in the animated series. Not yet. Okay. At least. And then okay. also, I mean, shout out to General Krieg being played by Dev- David Tennant. Whew, we man. always love us some uh, Doctor <laughs> Who, or I love myself some Doctor Who. The best I doctor. Mean, the best doctor by far. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say that. I mean, probably, but just David Tennant it, it, at all. Just him doing anything is phenomenal. And... Um, well, really getting I, that Scottish accent that we usually don't get to hear from him. That you should be watching the DuckTales remake. Mm-hmm. Because I, if I'm not mistaken, he doesn't he play Scrooge on there? I'm not sure. I'd have to, I'd have to double check. So any other final thoughts as we wrap this um, discussion about uh, Vox Machina up? And before we get to the spoiler discussion that will come afterwards. So one of the things, so we left things um episode six i'm trying to think about which one they meet the wise leader the religious leader i don't remember yenin yes who um is voiced by uh her name slips my mind but she was in she was on suits for years and she was in the matrix um gina torres thank you thank you i adore her she, I lo- loved her spinoff, which was set in Chicago from Suits. But mm-hmm. I'm the world's worst when it comes to names. But yes, <laughs> that, um, the keeper, as you call her, mm-hmm. was w- the, fu- the episode six. Yeah, so that is a very big turning point. I mean, we kind of start to see everybody's part kind of playing out here. Um, you start to see Keyleth meets the Sun Tree as a druid. That's huge. Um, A lot of things are going to play out in regards to Keyleth and the Sun Tree. And the Sun Tree, with its importance to Whitestone. Um, And then, you know, you're kind of seeing that slow burn romance a little bit between um, Keyleth and Vax. Um, I know some of you guys have noticed that, that little ship is sailing uh, see that ship is sailing but i like him better with the um gilmore mage merchant, the mage merchant gilmore that, that is a much more interesting dynamic to me to be honest mm-hmm. and i don't know what fan bases exist here so i'm probably putting my foot firmly in bad water keyleth is my second least favorite oh yeah keyleth is definitely that very high strong young 
she's very young, um, is kind of only out here in the world because of her Eratami? Eratami. Something like that. Her guide to her people, she has to be the leader of them. She has to go and complete this. And so she, she's definitely the one that's not as prepared for this whole life that is out here. Yes, and I, I definitely agree. Gilmore and Vax are definitely like chef's kiss um, and, uh, and everything. But that kind of goes along with a lot of the characters um, and the voice actors that are with these characters. A lot of them are very LGBTQ plus um, or allies. And so it's, you know, for them playing characters like that, very common. Okay. What I thought was interesting because I thought that Vex is sort of observing her brother's romantic mm-hmm. stuff, and I I thought that that the sisterly brotherly vibe between Vax and Vex is very good. That was a part of it that I enjoyed. And they're twins, so it's kind of like this even additional kind of like strong bond with them. And so you're kind of seeing that, you know, for Scalin. Uh, Scalin, I know that you don't like him. Um, but a lot of his stuff is going to kind of start to show, I hope. Um, you know, he's definitely that kind of gross, you know, just wants to bang everybody in uh, Taldore. I mean, that's, he's even said it. And uh, yeah. Apparently of, he does. Uh, Any uh, other final thoughts? Um, I'm really excited to see where the next six episodes go. Um, the cast of Critical Role have said that it only gets better um, as they go along. Um, so I am very, very excited. And uh, just yesterday, they were certified fresh on IMDb or on Rotten Tomatoes um, with 100% from critics. So nice. Um, not, not too shabby for a bunch of voice actors just playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons. So I hope that what this series does is one brings kind of a renewal to um, more of a renewal than what critical role has already done to Dungeons and Dragons um, to what making a world in your own creation and just having fun with your friends can really do. Um, Yeah, sure. They're all talented voice actors and actors and actresses, but I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that your home campaign can't be just as good. So um, I hope that it kind of gets people out there and and enjoying what Dungeons and Dragons really is about. So if if a listener wanted to find you on Twitter to ask more questions of you about it as, as they too might be dipping their toe in it for the first time, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah. So CK Eckholm, E-C-K-H-O-L-M. Um, that's my normal one. The uh, screen name will show Evalani, which is my World of Warcraft main. Um, but unfortunately, that name is taken on Twitter. Well, you can always find Geek Confidential on uh, Twitter at GK Confidential. I'm at Luke underscore Kerr. Comment on this episode in our Facebook group at Facebook.com. There will be a link to it in this episode um, on Geek Confidential when we publish it. So on that note, until next time, so long. And thank you, Casey, for joining me today. 
Thanks, Luke, for having me. spoilers for a second because in researching this i was on um fandom.com and i was going down the cast list because i wanted to make sure that i had all the character names correct Mm -hmm. and they had deceased by vax and i'm like so the gay character gets killed (laughs) (laughs) okay so so i'm like i need some context because i'm like uh, uh, at first blush i was like okay um, I really like Vax. I'm interested to in where his story's going, whether it's bisexual, gay, whatever. I'm interested in where it's going. And then I'm doing the research for the episode and I'm like, he's dead. And I'm like, <laughs> so I, I, I sat there I and you know, that... those gifts where you get that boy who get, has the pursed lips and he's just staring at you. Mm-hmm. That was me at the fandom cast list where, when I saw deceased by Vax's name. So here's the thing is, I don't know if that is, I don't know if that's a, a series thing or if that's a campaign thing, but I'm not done with the campaign, so I don't know. Okay. And so I, that's but... a spoiler, like a spoiler spoiler for me, because I didn't know that. I mean, it could just be that his character like died in, I mean, so critical role spoilers in general. So the thing is, is that they can die in campaign two. Allison, who plays Percy, his character Molly Mock dies like 40 episodes in and they're not anywhere and nobody's strong enough to revive him. So it happens. Allison made a new character and then Caduceus was born and he comes into the Mighty Nine and kind of goes from there. In campaign three, Travis, his character that he started um, died the second episode. Ouch. It happens. It's D and D. I mean, you know, they're starting out and they're only so strong. So, mm-hmm. you know, things happen, but, um, I, I don't know about, I don't know about Vax. I can't, uh, I can't tell you, unfortunately, um, once I get through it, cause we're on like episode 71 and there's mm-hmm. only like 115. Yeah. And only at like four to five hours each. So we're getting there. <laughs> Only, only mm-hmm. what? Eighty more episodes to go at five hours apiece. No. Only. No, we're at seventy-one. You said there was one hundred and fifty. One hundred and fifteen. Oh, I thought I heard it as one hundred and fifty. That's why I was like <laughs> forty-four I was, episodes. I was like, boy, that's a lot at five hours a chunk. Mm. Okay, well, um, they usually I guess... stay around four hours, so we've only got ten thousand five hundred sixty more minutes. Yeah, that's that is an investment. Well, uh, when you find out, um, mm-hmm. I will be interested to know spoilers. I do not mind spoilers, but uh, for that type of thing. But I was like, I've got to ask after the podcast when it's not part of the main discussion. 